The Bleed Smart Sportscast is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. SunMax Batteries carries a full line of super heavy-duty ultra-outline lithium and button cell batteries. SunMax Batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, SunMax Batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, digital cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, SunMax has the best batteries at the best price for your device. You can order a 24-pack of AA or AAA heavy-duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24-pack of ultra-alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high-tech devices at just $12.99. Order today and use coupon code BOSTON at checkout. That's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save 20% off your entire order. 20% off those already low prices. Once again, that's coupon code BOSTON, all uppercase at checkout, and save big today. Sunmaxbatteries.com, C-E-L-L-M-A-X-Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks, as always, for joining us. Thanks to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're joined by the boss again, Ev Guy Boston, Ev Singleton, uh, back on the podcast. Ev, welcome back to the show. What is going on, KJ? Happy to be back. First time in a while, obviously, and I, I want to shout out if people, uh, people, you guys want to hear more of Ev, check out the YouTube channel because what are you up to like daily uploads now? <laughs> I don't know how or or why or how, but yeah, recording pretty much a video a day and then it gets post post the next day, um, and we're growing it. So you know, if you're listening to this on Apple or anywhere else, check out the guy Boston Sports YouTube for sure. How long do you think you're gonna keep that up for? The daily I have, upload? I have no idea. Literally no idea. Like I, I don't know how long that could be going for. Um, but I'm having fun doing it right now. So, you know, and I'm I'm not having trouble figuring out what to post and whatnot. So maybe I'll just say for now we'll do it forever. From now until say, the end of time. <laughs> I enjoyed the eighty six Celtics video, but you told me they got off to a slow start. I watched the first bit of it. They're they're four and I'm like where's the slow start I was telling you? <laughs> I get, later on it started to happen. And then I see you're making trades. I'm like I don't know if this is in the spirit of the 86 Celtics. Hey, hey but you got to do what you got to do. They call me GMF. In your defense, I will say some of those overalls were like Bill Russell won six man of the year that year, 77 overall, like Scott Wedman, 73. I'm like, you got to like boost these guys up a little bit. Like Jamal, 41-year-old Jamal Crawford should not be better. Yes, than exactly. Guys. That's why I felt like the need to, to do the trade because like that was just, especially, you know, if anyone tuned in, but this is a spoiler, but we had so many injuries. It's like, well, this is just not going to be a good experiment if Larry Bird's injured for a month. Like, no well, kidding. Well, I don't want to, again, no spoilers. We won't give anything away, but it was a good video. And uh, if you want to see how it ended up um, after all that stuff, you can go check it out on the YouTube channel. I will say, uh, I don't want, I, what can I say without giving it away? The ending is just, um, how do I say? I don't know how to say it without giving it away. It's just worth the watch. That's all I'll say. It's, it's, it's worth it if you want to check it out. The ending was, the ending was sort of perfect movie-esque. Like, you know, like things... Things needed to happen. They might have happened. The play people that uh, the team ended up playing. Go watch it though. It's fun. Well, well, we see. We don't go check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, <laughs> but we have to talk about the NBA Finals, the NBA offseason, everything that's gone on real quick because we haven't been on the podcast since the NBA Finals happened. Your reaction to the championship because uh, the Bucks end up winning it all after the Suns were favored going in. The Suns go up two zero, and Giannis just pulls them back into the series. Seemingly, I, honestly. If I can speak for myself, one of the better NBA finals that, that I remember in recent memory, I think probably, again, people have mentioned it since the LeBron one. And I would say probably 
um, better than most of the Heat ones too. Like you know, so, so between the the Golden State Warriors ones that we saw and the Miami Heat ones, uh, that had to be uh, if I had to rank those all together, this this was probably in the top three. Yeah, I mean, first off, I I was think I think I went into that wanting the Suns to win just because I don't really know why actually, but I think I just pref- I was looking for the Suns to win. Then Giannis goes absolutely nuclear in game six, and, and that's where I kind of step back and I go, you know what, like, I just have to respect that. That was awesome. Like, we got to witness that. I feel like people are still downplaying how incredible he was that game. Um, obviously, the NBA world is kind of hyped about it, but I feel like that should just be general talk on the streets right now. How amazing Giannis Antetokounmpo, nailed that last name, went. Like, he, he pretty much put on a show that people will say is one of, if not, you know, I guess you'd say one of the most dominant finals performances ever and i feel like it's not getting the hype it deserves but speaking of that too i saw on twitter you know again i feel like people that know what they're talking about don't say this but all over the place like oh i haven't watched any of this series this you know phoenix versus milwaukee what a final series and stuff and that is so dumb to me like if someone's seeing basketball for the first time and they watched a couple of those games they could be hooked that was back and forth tough basketball time different guys were going off different nights like that was awesome to me too smaller market teams and uh, to finally see it kind of go off with the best player on the court going absolutely nuclear. I loved it. Yeah. And I don't know, like, I don't know if it was or not, but it seemed like it's the same kind of people that always complain every year that like, Oh, it's the same teams in the finals. We all think (laughs) it's going to happen. And then it's like, this finals happens like, well, this finals is interesting. It's like, well, it's, it's, I don't know if it is or not, or it's just these people with weird attitudes that like contrast each other. But I'm thinking like, I don't know why you wouldn't want to watch these finals because there, are, it, it, there is significant star power. You don't know who's going to win. It's everything we wanted. Like, for me, I would like the finals to be like this every year. Like, if it was, you know, just, uh, I obviously, you know, we're going to be biased with the Celtics. But if it was, like, even Hawks and, uh, you know, pick, like, Hawks and Mavericks, like, there's a ton of great storylines going into even finals like Lat, Luka, and Trey Young, all yep. this stuff, like, I mean, I know we're fans of it, the NBA through and through, so any matchup pretty much is going to interest us. But I didn't understand the the lack of interest in this series at all. I thought, and and coming out of it with Giannis being kind of crowned as the best player in the league now, which I don't think is un, like you know, I don't think is an overreaction at all. I think that that's perfectly fair coming out of the series, especially not considering this wasn't. It's not just like you know, Devin Booker won the finals, and he got he's like, oh, Devin Booker is the best player in the league. You know, it it was building towards this, Giannis. Mm-hmm a two-time MVP, defensive player of the year, all this stuff, like, it, he was eventually going to take that crown if he won the championship. So, uh, to me, it, th- this was everything I could have asked for in the finals. I don't understand why people, uh, you know, feel the need to rag on it. Yeah, and it was weird, too, because it wasn't even, like, I agree that it just seems like it's always the people that just are not satisfied with anything. Like, they're going to, you know, throw a fuss no matter what. But, like, I was seeing headlines on major sports networks being like, is this the worst finals of all time? Or is this bad for the NBA? And it's like, these are credible, technically credible sources that are now trying to say that it's just, that, that just puts such a sour taste in my mouth because it's so not true. Like, it takes two dribbles in a game to realize how good that series was. So, um, yeah, but again, right down to the end, it kind of was surprising me. Like, I wanted the Suns to win, and then Giannis goes and takes it. It was like, I was already surprised that the Suns and Bucks were in the finals in the first place. And then even still, the better team, technically, odds-wise, didn't end up winning. It was, it was great for the NBA, in my opinion. And I also have a nice little stat for you, Evan. How many times do you think... Now, the NBA's data here that I just looked up goes back to 1983. So keep in mind, this is since 1983, but it's still a long time. How many players do you think have put up 
50, 10, and 5 in a, not just a finals game, not just a playoff game, any NBA game ever. How many people do you think have put up 50 <laughs> for 5? No clue. I heard them say something about Giannis going for 40, 10, and 5 or something in a finals game. I forget even what the stat was, but I, I don't know, 3, 2? You nailed it. 3. 3 <laughs> players. Not, not even that, just That was three. my first guess for the record. I know I said two yeah. numbers. That was my first guess. Not even just in the finals. Any game. And Giannis did it in the closeout game wow. of the finals. It was, it's just Giannis, Anthony Davis, and David Robinson. And that's it. That's wow. all the players that have done it ever. So it's just, it, it is mind-boggling that he was able to do that on the biggest stage and what he was able to do. And I will say, I came into it, I was kind of, if, I was fine with either team winning, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because to me, what was so cool about these finals and so cool that what I played up into it was just, the uniqueness we were going to get and the fact that a fan base was going to win that hasn't won in a while. And there were so many players that weren't in the you know finals ever before. Like this, I think this was one of the first finals where there was no players who had previously won a championship and all this stuff. So I was really excited for a ton of those reasons. And, you know, I, I, for me, if I, so I was fine if the Suns and Bucks won for those reasons. But if you put a gun to my head and said, who do you want to win finals? I probably would have leaned the Bucks just because I like the coronation of Giannis a little bit more because he's going to be in the league a little longer than Paul. So I think it creates lasting storylines more than the Chris Paul winning thing would have. Although I will say I was prepared for the Suns to win. Like if the Suns won, I had some tweets prepared. Like, you know, that picture of Jay Crowder and Tom Brady from uh, from 2016, yeah. whenever they get in Durant, just saying reigning champion, two reigning champions with those two. Uh, you know, sitting next to each other. I thought that would be funny and stuff like that. And like the whole oldest champion thing with Brady and Mickelson mm-hmm. and then Chris Paul, obviously like people winning with at an older age. I thought all that stuff would have been cool and cool storylines. But for me, it, it was the Bucks that I just believed they were going to win. And I had a friend text me when the Bucks went down 1-0 in the series and they were like, do you think the Bucks stand any chance? And I was like, I still think the Bucks are going to win. Like mm-hmm. I had the Bucks in six. Um, I, I would say pretty much the whole way through, I, I felt that way after game three. I felt that way after game one. I can't speak for how I felt after game two. I kind of forget. But for the most part, I, I always thought it was going to be the Bucks, And I didn't understand the inclination to pick the Suns as much as everybody was doing so. Um, I get the Giannis was injured thing, so I will give a little bit of credence to that. But to me, the Bucks were always the more talented team. Like if I was drafting the series, number one is Giannis. Number two, I'll give you Booker. Number three, I'm taking Middleton over Chris Paul. And number four, I'm taking Drew Holiday over DeAndre Aiden. And I don't think that third one is close. You know, I think, so I think the Chris Paul thing was probably the he was playing so 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 well yeah. for the whole. You know what I mean? That was kind of I think what put it over the top for me because I get it. You know, you go player by player by player type of thing. But having a Devin Booker who I think is the clear cut number two, and then I think Chris Paul was playing better than Middleton, playing better than Holiday, that type of thing. So. Then you start looking at it at the time of probably picking these games. The Suns did have the two out of the three, even though they didn't have the best. And then they probably end up having three out of the five wherever you put Aiton. But then Chris Paul, I mean, I get it. He had a decent game six, but he really kind of just crapped himself multiple times. And that Suns team, as good as Booker is, as good as Aiton was playing, that Suns team really was running through Chris Paul this year, and they just flopped. He flopped towards the end. And I will say, like, I'll give the fact that Chris Paul kind of, you know, it seemed like the storybook kind of thing. And he he did have some good games throughout the playoffs, but even still, he, you know, he had some duds in there, too. It felt yeah. like it was it was very up and down for him. And it felt like, you know, this kind of the storybook, the right thing that was going to happen. Oh, Chris Paul is finally going to get his championship. 
But like, for instance, like coming into the game in the conference finals, of course, missed the first two games of the conference finals with the COVID thing, came back 15 points on 26% shooting his yeah. first game back. The second game back, 18 points on 27% shooting. And then the next game, 22 points, eight assists on 42% shooting. Pretty good, but not like great. And then, of course, that uh, the game six against uh, the Clippers, he just exploded. And he had one of his best playoff games ever. And, and that was kind of the last game we saw of him going to the finals. And it felt like, you know, here we go, Chris Paul. But Middleton, you know, has, was kind of the same way. And as it ended up, he just had the better finals. But I do think, like, if I was, I guess it would have been close, but I feel like if I was drafting a team, uh, just for one season, I guess it, I guess it would be closer than I'm giving it credit for. But I still think, I mean, Middleton certainly was better than Paul in these finals, and I think that, 100%, I, yeah. especially when you have the best player in the series in Giannis, and then you have that talent around him. And I, I also think, I mean, people made a lot of the Suns depth. I mean, you go through the Bucks depth, but to have Lopez and Bobby Portis together too, like those guys are no sludges. And Portis was huge in these finals too. So you know, I, I just I always thought that the Bucks' talent was just going to dominate eventually um, overpower the Suns and they weren't going to be able to to win the series. But um, either way, you know, I, I, I don't see, again, like you said, I don't see why uh, people came out of these finals. I get even going into it being a little disappointed, but coming out of it, the performances we got, Giannis being like, you know, 50, 40, and 40 in, uh, you know, three of his games, like just ridiculous stuff. The block, the out, the, the uh, alley-oop that Giannis had in there. Like so many great moments, which I still think, and I hate to be this guy, but the alley oop, like a little, I don't, a little bit of a stupid play, <laughs> like honestly, and I hate to be this this iconic play to be the guy that's like, wow, that was dumb that they did that, but like just hold on to the ball because if you throw that out of bounds, which is very easy to do on alley oop, or you, Giannis, you know, the ball slips through his hands or mm -hmm. something, you're talking about giving the Suns the ball back down one with 12 seconds to go or something, like insanely risky, but. Hey, they they went for it and pulled off yeah. one of the most iconic plays in NBA history. So you know, more power to you. But uh, yeah, for for like all of those reasons, I just think this was this was a very special night. Came uh, out of the finals very satisfied as a basketball fan. Same here, totally. All right, well, let's get into what's next for the NBA, the off season, and your expectations for it. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what it's going to be like, but it already feels. Like this offseason might be a little more tame than we've become accustomed to with the NBA. And I say that hesitantly because it feels like we've had a few off seasons where we kind of expected it to go that way. And then the NBA just flips on you. It's always going to be crazy in the NBA. It feels like no matter what. Um, but, you know, last season wasn't wasn't too, too big. You know, for the Celtics, it felt a little bigger because you had the whole Gordon Hayward situation and everything going on there. But for the rest of the league, there was a lot going on. What are your expectations as far as this year is concerned? Do you see any major shakeups happening? Do you think we'll get the chaos that has happened some year? Do you think it's going to be a little more, you know, mundane? I have a feeling there's going to be some sort of chaos roll through, like something big happens. I, I, I agree with you that I feel like we're looking at something that you don't even have like these major. Now, there are some out there, but you don't have these major like oh, like this huge name free agent is a free agent. Where is he going to go? Or this guy, other than, I guess, Damian Lillard comes to mind, but this guy's really not content on his team anymore, and he wants to get traded or go somewhere. So I think we will possibly see something happen, but I think all signs are kind of pointing, pointing towards this might just be sort of like a, a spacer year in NBA free agency. I think next year might be a little more interesting. Uh, the year after that, I'm pretty sure I, I had seen was going to be um, pretty crazy. But to me, it's like, 
you have a lot of guys that either what want to want to trade or are restricted free agents that didn't reach extensions this past um, extension period with their team. So to me, like the names out there aren't that crazy. I know um, probably the biggest, I guess, is Kawhi because Kawhi, I think, is he, he it's his choice, right? It's not a restricted. He's a player. Yeah, option, he's, so he's, yeah. he's something to watch. But um, yeah, to me, and it's like, a, like Kawhi might miss all of next season. Right. So it's so gonna, that kind of takes the air out of it, too. Yeah. It's like, well, he's probably just going to stay with the Clippers because what's what's what else going to happen? But yeah, I mean, you got names like I think Kyle Lowry's probably one. Um, it's it just that none of these, you know, they, they are names, but they're not like the juicy names that everyone looks for every single offseason. So I think it's going to be a little bit more. Uh, Calm, cool, and collected, but I think we're gonna get surprised by something. What I, I I don't know what because that's the point of a surprise. But um, to me, like I nothing is really gluing me to free agency right now. Well, we'll run through some of the names. We'll see if we can convince you. First name I think on the docket that's important to talk about is easy transition from the finals. The guy that we were just, just talking about, Chris Paul. Um, he's gonna have the option forty four million. I just honestly I don't know in the COVID market. I don't know what cap space is gonna look like exactly, but I can't imagine he opts out for a number of reasons. Not only are you really going to get a contract that makes it worth it to opt out at this point. Like for instance, if Chris Paul opts into 44 million and opts out next season, do I really think he's going to have a bad enough season that he's not going to be able to get a big payday next off season? And it's like, cause people make the argument like, Oh, well, yeah, Chris Paul can't get 44 with someone, but he could get like three and 66 and that's more overall money. Like sure. But I feel like Chris Paul is going to be able to make up that 22. Yeah. Like, I, to me, it's like you just had a good year with the Suns, trending in the right direction. The finals loss, like that's that's going to be tough to recover from. But just opting to your 44 comeback with that team that's still very young and growing and Monty Williams, who you have a relationship with. And then if you really want to hit free agency next season and look for something else. But like these rumors about, you know, Chris Paul, the Lakers, Chris Paul, you know, and that's probably pretty much it. It's just Chris yeah. Paul, the Lakers. But, uh, you know, I, I don't see it happening. I think that the smartest play and the most logical play is just to return to Phoenix. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And again, that's sort of like a name. Like, to me, it's like, as weird as this sounds, and I don't know if I'm going to explain it right, like, I don't care that much where Chris Paul ends up. I get it, like, if he goes to Lakers or LeBron, that's a big deal type of thing. But to me, he's just sort of like a guy that, yes, we just saw him play in the finals. Yes, he had a, you know, a, sort of a comeback year. He was kind of like, you know, one of the premier guys on that Suns team. He did a lot for them. I get it all. But, like, to me, it's like Chris Paul, as good as he is, he's not, like, a top five, top ten guy in the league that, oh, crap, where's he going to go? I think it's probably yeah. already, you know, 90% that he's going to go back to Phoenix. But if there's that 10%, he goes to the Lakers, and it's like, oh, well, that's a story for a day. And Chris Paul eventually played with his buddy LeBron. But it's to me, it's, like, it's not this hot, pressing, like, thing for me to keep an eye to. And, and I think for a lot of people, it probably is. Like, Chris Paul and LeBron, I, I get that. But to me, it's just not one of those names that is so electric, which is probably weird, him coming out of the finals and me saying that. But again, that's kind of the earlier point I was trying to make where there's plenty of possibilities and plenty of things that could happen. Not many of them are, are really moving the needle too much for me. Yeah, and you know, I think the one kind of little bit of credence you could give to maybe Chris Paul would leave would be that you know, he didn't necessarily choose to go to Phoenix. They traded for him. So did he ever really want to be there in the first place? Like, who knows? And hey, you know, his window's kind of closing as, you know, a star did make the All-Star team last year. So does he want to take advantage of maybe one of his last years and just go to the Lakers? And like, all that stuff's fair. I just, I don't see the the value in leaving the Suns right now. I feel like 
the Lakers are trending down where the Suns are trending up. And I just, you know, I, I know that that's, you know, uh, famous last words to say about the Lakers because yeah. they can you know, go and rebuild things in a, in a second. But it's, I, you know, I, I just think that's the, that's the state of things right now. And it's hard to imagine that uh, Chris Paul would leave a situation with that kind of money on the table and everything like that. And he doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a guy that would easily, you know, just flee to another team. Like he's never been that guy that's going to, you know, he, he seems kind of independent usually when it comes to these kind of things. He's never been one to kind of go and form a super team. He's been traded a few times, but he's never really like hit free agency and been like, all right, you know, who's going to recruit me, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like he, you know, he, I guess technically the Clippers traded him to Houston, but that was kind of like in the bag already. Like, you know, he was going to try to sign with them either way. He wasn't returning there, blah, blah, blah. But so that was kind of the only instance of that. But besides that, you know, he got traded to the Thunder. And where a lot of players would have said, I'm not playing for this crappy Thunder team. I'm, you know, I trade me somewhere else. He stuck out. He played there and he had a really great year there. And then he gets traded to Phoenix where, you know, they weren't a playoff team. But he played there. He stuck it out and he brought them to the finals. He helped bring them to the finals. So I just don't see Chris Paul as the type of guy to be like, all right, I'm opting out and I'm going to play with my buddy LeBron. Like he's never struck me as that guy. Yeah, I feel like. Honestly, that we would have seen that by now if that were the case. As good as friends they are, the banana boat, whatever they are, um, I feel like we, we could have easily seen if Chris Paul really wanted to or even LeBron really wanted to. We would have seen that pairing by now. I'm not saying it will never happen or won't happen, but um, I think you would bring up some good points there. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll stay on the Lakers stuff because uh, we'll just try to do it all at once um, because there are also the rumors that they could potentially be interested in a trade for Russell Westbrook, which. I got to say a stark contrast from you go from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. You're talking about like, you know, the sage veteran, calm, cool, collected, very efficient to Russell Westbrook, which is like the polar opposite of that. It's like, you know, uh, you, your wish list could not be any more all over the place. If you're jumping between those two, like we just want a veteran point guard, like, you know, some, you know, th- these two are very, very opposite in that, uh, in that uh, regard. So I, I actually would be really interested if Westbrook was, was traded to the Lakers. Um, for a couple of reasons. Uh, we'll just start off with the first one, which is that I would love to see how that would work between him and LeBron. I yeah. don't think it would work, which is part of the reason I'd love to see it. But I, you know, I, I just think they're, they're just, it's a weird mix of play styles that you wouldn't necessarily think would mesh. Then again, I'll give some leeway to the fact that LeBron and D. Wade were kind of the same way, both kind of slashers. Dwayne Wade, not going to compare him to Russell Westbrook much, though, but it's there is a little bit of a thing where, you know, scoring, uh, you know, scoring guard, you know, point guard, shooting guard, whatever, that can't really shoot. And you would think that wouldn't work next to LeBron, but it worked with Wade. So I don't know. I'll give him a little bit of leeway there, but you're going to need a, a plenty of shooting around those guys if you think that those two as a pair alongside Anthony Davis in the trio are really going to work. Uh, but that that would be a hell of a, of, a, of a match if they ended up getting that to work. Yeah, I mean, I would be interested to see that too, because I think that, I mean, I know we saw plenty of times how Russell Westbrook like was either taking away shots from Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook was literally like being like terrible. You know what I mean? He was just pulling up and missing and whatnot. I feel like that one, one of two things. One, it may not fly with LeBron, right? Or two, LeBron couldn't make, I don't want to give too, too much credit to LeBron, but it's hard not to. Does LeBron cover up from that? Like does, does Russell Westbrook become a better player under LeBron? I don't know if he's tameable. But um, I would be interested to see if that were to ever happen or if that, you know, if, if we were to see that play out, I would be, in, I, I would, I'd be watching that just because I don't, I don't think that, you know, out of the box that could work. 
But I wonder if, you know, given the fact that, um, you know, you now have a point guard, a small forward, and a big man, it's kind of the makings of what you need. You know, I know they play, like, LeBron and Westbrook, to me, don't seem like two guys that would play totally, totally, like, hand-in-hand. But um, I would be interested to see if they could work that out because that could be that could be pretty electric if somehow that did work out. You know what I mean? Yeah, and look, if you're the Wizards and someone wants to trade you anything for Russell Westbrook, <laughs> like in his contract, you have to be interested in that a little bit, considering you kind of just, you know, did the John Wall swap for Westbrook just because. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that that's got to interest the Wizards. But it, you know, if it ends up that that situation plays itself out. I wonder if then Bradley Beal says, you just trade away Russell Westbrook. This team's clearly going nowhere. Now I want to be traded. And then all of a sudden, we got NBA chaos that we want because yeah. now Bradley Beal's requested a trade. And what happens there? You know, so I, and I think that there's a lot of dominoes that could fall in the trade market. Obviously, Ben Simmons is thrown in there as well because his name's getting chopped around. So you got Simmons, potentially Beal, potentially Lillard. I know that the Beal and Lillard things feel, you know, less realistic, but. Things change on a dime in the NBA, so you never know when that stuff's going to turn itself around. I was looking at like other NBA stars that possibly could be traded this offseason, and I saw some names like Kyrie Irving. People threw around that, like, is the you know, is there a possibility that he gets traded because you know he yeah, that thing in uh, uh, you know uh, uh, Brooklyn didn't really work with him this year, and they feel like Harden and uh, Durant maybe would work better together obviously brogdon's name has been thrown around a lot kemba could go somewhere else as well um and uh cj mccollum a little bit too has been we've heard thrown around a little bit carl anthony towns like that's one that we're not hearing a lot about right now but again that's a guy that the clock is ticking in minnesota on him chris asked porzingis so there's a a, a lot of names that could potentially just pop and be traded out of nowhere so i i think that if we're hoping for some craziness this offseason it's going to come from one of those guys. Yeah, I think I agree. Now, kind of back to like how we started this thing when I said, you know, it seems like it's trending in the direction of being kind of tame and whatnot. I think that that's because, you know, the saying where there's smoke, there's fire usually is true, especially in the NBA. I don't consider anything you just mentioned yet total smoke. You know, like we're here, we're seeing a little sizzle. Maybe, you know, the, the girl's starting to cook a little, but nothing's smoking yet. The minute one of those things smoke, I do think, I could completely change my answer on what I expect this NBA offseason. But right now, I think that all those things are kind of like we're keeping them on the back burner. They're, they're heating up, but no smoke yet. Like Kyrie Irving being traded, that would be like incredible like uh, in terms of NBA entertainment. But I don't know if it's smoking yet. There's no, there's no where there's smoke, there's fire without the smoke. And I think we might be heading towards smoke. But right now, you know, just a little charcoal. I would agree with you, except for Ben Simmons. I think with yeah, Ben Simmons, I, I, when I, I actually completely forgot about that earlier when you had said that. Like, that's a huge name that clearly, like, something has to happen there. And the only, the only thing I could possibly make sense of him staying there would be um, for the first half of the year if they want him to get his trade stock up and play a little bit better. Because right now he's at an all-time low. But you're right. When, when I answered that question earlier about this offseason, like, no matter where he goes, what the trade is, I think that'd be a pretty big move. So... That could be some some smoke that leads to fire for sure. Yeah, and and back to the Westbrook trade just for a second, because I first saw it and I was like, what are the Lakers going to trade that that's going to match this salary? And people mentioned that if they do like Schroeder and on a sign and trade and Kuzma and THT, that that kind of gets it done salary wise. And then since then, all this stuff has come out about Schroeder just saying like, or uh, Kuzma rather, like I don't know if you saw this report today that some Lakers, uh, you know, Lakers guy said that Kyle Kuzma fancies himself on Jason Tatum's level 
And I was like, oh my goodness, did you see this thing? I was like, I here we go again. This this Kuzma Tatum stuff, like, you know, I forget what what oh uh like I, I feel like it's kind of like that SpongeBob thing where you see the fish and he's like, How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? Like, you know, it's like I, we haven't we buried this debate already and that should be body backed and being shipped off across like the Atlantic. <laughs> like that should be so far from people's minds, especially Kyle Kuzma. He's got to look in the mirror and be like, yeah, this isn't the thing anymore, pal. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know. But anyway, if the Lakers can, yeah, get anything from him, I, I think he pretty much has to be traded no matter what this offseason. So uh, not exactly on the levels of the, those other guys I mentioned. But yeah, Kuzma in L.A. just clearly uh, not working. So, uh, you know, that's, I guess, you could say a final victory lap of sorts there. Um, but some of the other names I, I want to talk about, we briefly talked about them before. But Kawhi Leonard, and you know, you mentioned you probably think he's just going to return to the Clippers. I'm interested to see because obviously, when Kevin Durant was injured, he went to the Nets and he just sat out a year, and you know, then he came back this year That's and he was point, great. Yeah. All that stuff. So I wonder if Kawhi Leonard is going to look at the writing on the wall and say, you know, Paul George is re up there, but what is the future in the clip with the Clippers? Do I trust another team more? Do I want to go, you know, to Dallas or to Miami or something like that? And I don't know. I feel I, I feel like if I had to pick, I, I it seems like he just wants to be in LA and that's where he's wanted to be for a while. So I could understand if he just resigns there. But from like that NBA fantasy GM standpoint of like player movement and where's the best place for me to be, I could see him playing to another team. I I I don't necessarily think if you're Kawhi Leonard and you're hitting free agency and you're thinking where is my next best chance to win a championship, I don't necessarily think the Clippers is the answer. And I mean, there's some stuff to consider with your contract and, you know, uh, getting the most value out of it and stuff like that. But if Kawhi Leonard wanted to be with the Clippers and was absolutely sure of it, why didn't he resign like Paul George did already? Like, why is he even hitting free agency? So I, I just have a few question marks there still. Yeah, I, I and I couldn't really agree more. Like, I, I think if he was 100%, you know, hook, line, sinker going back there, he we, we would know that. One, even if he hadn't already re-signed, if that was the case, he probably would have either said it or there would be reports of that's what the, what's planning to do, right? None, none of that is really come out. So to me, Kawhi, I've always like kind of been struck by him as a guy that really does just kind of like, you know, it's, uh, I, I'm not, not to, this isn't the right, you know, verbiage, but like, oh, I'm bored here. Where else can I go? And that's not because I think, you know, he's been on a few different teams, but to me, it's like he's, always on to the next thing. Like the guy wins a championship and then goes to another team. Like that's super weird to me. Like, um, you know, Giannis isn't obviously forcing his way out of Milwaukee right now after winning final, you know, it's so it's, it's weird that, you know, Kawhi's almost like uh, a question mark in and of himself, like question marks about his potential decision. That's, you know, upcoming or just, just him in general. Like, I don't really know where he wants to play or does he have any buddy buddies in the league or anything like that? He's kind of a question mark altogether, but, I think the injury is kind of a factor to me because it's it was to me it was weird when Durant goes somewhere and sits out. The you know that seems like more of an outlier or anomaly than than just returning to your team and then you know next year going somewhere when you're healthy and you know what you can do. So I do agree it's a complete question mark and nothing's you know booked already. But uh, to me it's just quiet to the Clippers for this next year just makes the most sense. I think. And then there are a couple point guards also on the market. Supposed to be Kyle Lowry, Mike Connolly. Uh, Rob Green over at the website wrote an article about possible destinations for Kyle Lowry and free agency. And Connolly is another one that potentially could hit the market. Uh, you know, I, I don't think it's even possible 
But part of me is holding out hope that like the Celtics have kind of a hole at point guard right now. Is there any way they could make a sign and trade work? Like it might mean Al Horford's right back out the door after you mm-hmm. just traded for him. But they have a logjam at center. People are wondering, like, are they going to get rid of Tristan Thompson? Are they going to get rid of this guy, that guy? If they have an opportunity to trade a future first and Al Horford in a sign and trade for Connolly or Lowry, and I don't think I think the Raptors are more li- likely with Lowry because I don't know what the you know, even if you were doing a sign and trade, I don't think uh, that the Jazz would have any interest in getting Al Horford yeah. uh, for any reason. But I, I would, if I was the Celtics, I would be looking at this and like they always seem to find a way, whether it's Isaiah to Kyrie, Kyrie to Kemba Walker, whatever, they always find a way, seems like, to get one of these kind of max level point guards. So I'd, I, it, they have a hole there, and I wonder if there's any chance that they could end up landing one of these guys somehow, some way. Yeah, I mean, that'd be, I mean, I, I hate Kyle Lowry, hate Kyle Lowry, hate Kyle Lowry. I'd love him on the Celtics. <laughs> like, like, he's such a, he's the, the type of guy that you legit hate if you're playing against him because he's just, you know, he, he just does all the things that irk opposing fans. I would take him on the Celtics in a heartbeat. Like, that, that's one that I probably have some uh, old tweets about and stuff like saying, you know, screw clips from post game shows, talking shit about Kyle Lowry. I'd probably go and delete those real quick. If he yeah. came to Boston. Cause I would like him here. Same thing with Mike Conley. Like both those names are guys that I think really could be huge pieces to the Celtics. Not even because, I mean, obviously first and foremost, because they are uh, shallow at that point guard position and really do need a true point guard. Um, other than relying on like a Marcus smart or a second year guy, Peyton Pritchard. But you know, all that aside, like those are two guys that you could pretty much put on, I think, any team. And, and odds are that team's going to get a little bit better. Like they're guys that are going to do what you need them to do. They're not going to overstep. They're not going to understep. Like they're going to be do your job guys. And I like that. Yeah. So like even if, if I had to put a trade together, I know people aren't, I, I hesitate to put Romeo in a deal, but let's just say for the sake of, because Romeo is one of their biggest contracts. Let's just say for the sake of argument that Romeo goes in there and I don't Romeo Romeo being one of their biggest tradable contracts is what I really should say. So if you went and offered a team a sign and trade where they get, you know, smart Thompson and Langford, which is a lot, maybe you'd have to get something back. I don't know, but that would be your best chance at throwing uh, a lot of salary out the door. That would be, I think roughly if I'm doing the math, right. Uh, it, it's right around, let's see, trying to do quick math, 23.6 plus the 3.6 there. So about 27.2, and then you can trade 127 uh, or 125% of NBA salaries. So you times that by 1.25. You can trade for a max contract pretty much, 34 million, which is right up there. So you put all those two together, and all those three together, and it works. You can reach that salary that you would need to to get a max player. So if it really comes down to it, and I don't think that's a bad package. Like if you're, you know, another team, I mentioned Al Horford, but if you're, the jazz and it's like comes down to Mike Connolly and they're like, yeah, we'll give you Marcus smart, Tristan Thompson and Romeo Langford for Mike Connolly. If that wasn't a sign and trade, I'm sure there would people be people on the Celtic side saying, no, that's too much for Mike Connolly, uh, who is just an all-star by the way. So, yeah. uh, you know, if, if this, the jazz got offered that, I think as a consolation prize for Connolly leaving, I think they'd be more, ha- more than happy to take that. So I think that that opens the door for a lot of interesting possibilities for the Celtics. I think it's, probably on the very very unlikely side but i'm just throwing it out there it, it the the path is somewhat there to still land one of these stars which you probably need at least one more star if you're really going to compete for a championship yeah i think um you know 
I I would definitely think long and hard about you know sending out a bunch of guys and bringing in one guy and a team that already seems kind of thin, right, and doesn't have too much depth. Um, especially if you get like like Mike Conley to me, like I would I would ten times out of ten rather Lowry in that type of deal versus Conley, right? So I think any like that, I'm thinking long and hard about. I'm not saying I wouldn't do it because I think I've said it multiple times. Like there's only two guys that I wouldn't trade right now on the Celtics. I'm not saying I'm going out and shopping everyone else, but if your name's not Jason Tatum, your name's not Jalen Brown, then I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't stay up at night being like, why the heck did we just trade this guy? You know, I don't want to trade Robert Williams. I don't want to trade Peyton Pritchard. I don't want to trade Marcus Smart, but even some of those more notable names there. Like if, if that's what it takes to go and get a lot better than um, game with Marcus Smart, you know, using him as an example, these guys would all probably fall into a similar bucket. If you're only getting like, and a tad bit better then I think that you do have to think long and hard about it because you do have a young team. You do have guys getting better, but if it's a matter of going from Marcus smart to a Kyle Lowry type name, like I think that is uh, enough of a step up in terms of um, veteran status, sort of, I guess, experience, a guy that kind of is able to do a lot of things. You're getting rid of a guy that does a lot of things. I think that's enough of a leap for me, but um, you de- it's definitely still a matter of like, you're listening to trades, but I don't know how much the Celtics should go out shopping a huge package because I know that people don't like to believe that or not, but that's definitely how you can also alienate a team. If all of a sudden they figure, like they hear that Marcus Mark, Christian Thompson, Romeo Linkford were all being shopped, that's three people. That's 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 pretty much 25% of your active team that would hear. Well, hey, I think two of those guys have already dealt with that over that's the last three That is so, true. And I Romeo mean, Linkford's going to be too high to even care, I guess. So yeah, I guess I, it, yeah. It, and I just looked at it too. I mentioned uh, Conley and Lowry. Smart Thompson and Neesmith for Bradley Beal works in the trade machine. So if you if that becomes something that becomes available and you don't want to trade Jalen Brown, the salary works there. Mm-hmm. Does the you know value necessarily? I would probably lean towards no. But Unless, but right, you can throw in a Pritchard, you can throw in a Robert Williams, and you can throw in five first round picks. And then if I'm the Wizards, if you're offering me all that, literally everything you have. That is of any single morsel of value besides Tatum and Brown. You're giving me Smart and Thompson, which like, should I, you know, ship them off elsewhere? Can I get a pick for them? They're both expiring contracts, whatever, you know, we'll see. You're getting a cap relief eventually there, right? Uh, at the very least, at the end of the offseason, you're getting money off your books. Or, you know, and then I'm also getting three young players in Neesmith, uh, in uh, Peyton Pritchard and Robert Williams, who have some serious potential and that I would be interested in. And then five first round picks. Like if you're throwing me everything, all of that, then all of a sudden it becomes like I have to think about it a little bit. Now, especially if, you do especially that, if Bradley Beal wants out, like if this is going to inevitably get to a point where I'm sitting here as the Washington Wizards being like, we're literally like, we can't even, we don't have enough lines on our Excel sheet to even put in what you're offering. How many yeah. things we're getting here, picks, players, all that. It's that, or, you know, two years from now, nothing. We're not going to get anything for him. That That's definitely something that would make, the Wizards kind of look at it and go, you know what? I get it. Bradley Beal's probably still better than everything you just mentioned. But are we going to get nothing now, for him? Right. Now, at that point, it really, really becomes who the heck is your point guard? Like, then maybe you call yeah, up Waters and say, hey, oh, we got a no. starting role for you. You know, it's like oh. that's, that's what it comes down to. Because uh, if you're trading away Pritchard in there, too, which I'm sure they would, they would bite tooth and nail to keep. But if you have to, to get Bradley Beal, you do it. And then yeah. all of a sudden you're, you're stuck. Like, who's my point guard? You could potentially go out and sign someone to the mid-level or buy a new exception, whatever, and for, for cheap. 
like maybe a Jeff Teague or something. But you know, if you want to <laughs> if only we had guys like that, I don't know. Uh, but you know, I, I just think if you get the opportunity to do that, you do it. And then even if you give up Robert Williams, guess what? Four of your starting five next year, it's Horford, Brown, Tatum, Beal. Like yeah. that, that is is dangerous. And then can you re-sign Evan Fournier? And then do you play Beal at the one and Fournier at the two? I don't necessarily think that would work, but maybe you maybe you bring Beal in, you have Fournier off the bench, and you run that line about there sometimes, you yeah. know, in certain points of the game. And, you know, the, the veteran point guard free agent market, I mean, we saw last year they were able to get, uh, you know, Jeff Teague for the minimum. So, you know, do I want Jeff Teague starting for the Celtics next year? No, but can you get uh, someone like that and, and some, put someone around those guys that's like, you know, half decent that is wants to play with those four guys? Like, you don't need a lot around those four guys to really thrive. Like, could you, this might be a little lower than the guy's market is, but could you go out and get, Derek Rose for, you know, the mid-level exception. Is that enough to get Derek Rose in here? And he plays point guard for you. Could you go out and get Avery Bradley and say, hey, you know what? Not a point guard, but you have the right size. You could play there. And the ball is going to be in Beal's hands or Tatum's hands or Brown's hands most of the time anyway. So we don't really need a true point guard. Just go out there and play defense for us. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Alfred Payton, Franklin Lakina, Chris Dunn are possible names that could potentially be out there. TJ McConnell could potentially be out there. He'd be, uh, you know, another great guy. You know, he had that crazy game with the Steels last year, everything like that. So there's a few names out there this offseason that could strike you. Cameron Payne, I don't know how much he's going to get paid, but he's another guy. So I don't know. I, I, we're playing in fantasy land a little bit right now, of this, this scenario where they somehow get Bradley Beal without giving up Jalen Brown. But, hey, you posted the 2K videos yesterday, so we might as well play 2K <laughs> a little bit on the podcast. You well, know? Why not? It, I, I mean, that is obviously the dream scenario. And if you can get it done and bring in one of those point guard names, then all of a sudden you're really talking championship, you know? Especially with, I feel like it'd be so, any of those names you mentioned, like they're going to, you know, practically jump out of their seat to come play for a team like that. It's not like you're trying to get them to, um, and obviously like I think we have historically like a tough time getting big name free agents to sign here. Maybe not as of late, I guess, but, you know, definitely even still as of late, I guess, Kevin Durant being one that it's like, you know, missed out on maybe but um think about that like you have Bradley Beal Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown I mean hell we can throw Al Horford in there but I think that those first three names are enough to get a Jeff Teague-esque player saying holy crap yeah let's go win a championship you know so they'll come there and, and even um in bio markets whenever that were to come like you know you have a stacked lineup like that all of a sudden you start to have these people that want to cling on and possibly go get a ring of their own and it gets a lot, lot easier than you having to go and try and dig and find a guy. All of a sudden, opportunities present themselves when you have a team that has three studs like that. Right. And the other option you have, of course, that I didn't mention, Carson Edwards could be your starting point hey. guard. Yes. I'd rather <laughs> uh, that than Tremont. I would. Well, yeah, there's a reason I didn't uh, bring that up too much. <laughs> but anyway, I thought we'd end on that kind of rather crazy uh, note to, to bring that up. But um, I guess one more quick thing, because we mentioned his name, but I did want to talk to him about it more at length. Evan Fournier, a little more realistic as far as a, a shooting guard that the Celtics bring in this offseason or bring back. You know, what do you think the chances are that Boston re-signs him right now? Because I find it incredibly hard to gauge at this juncture, but if I had to put a number on it, I guess I'd give it like a 7 out of 10, maybe. Like, I, that, that's, that's where I, kind of where I'm feeling right now. Like, I feel yeah. more likely than not. I kind of like that because we haven't heard a lot about it, right? It's like if there was rumors or rumbles that 
that Fournier wasn't going to be re-signed. I feel like you'd hear, you know, some sort of leak or something. The fact that we haven't heard anything about it, it almost seems like I'm leaning towards, yeah, he's coming back because um, nothing really tells me, oh, there was, there was any sort of, you know, relationship issues, which I don't, I think we would know that by now. He said that he likes Boston before. Um, I feel like he didn't, I feel like he probably feels like he didn't get his best, you know, shot here yet. And he, and he felt like he probably has a lot more to prove to Boston fans. So I'm kind of, I would, I like that number 70%. Maybe I would go as far as like 75% just because I have a feeling when you don't hear anything about it, even though, you know, free agency hasn't started and we just got through the finals, we haven't heard anything about it. It seems like that's probably what's going to happen. And, you know, I, I, uh, obviously have inside info with that first name. Well, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Uh, but theoretically speaking, too, uh, you know, I know we talked about all these crazy scenarios, the Celtics, these dream scenarios, but there is a world and there's a likely world in which the Celtics top priority in free agency is just to re-sign Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, while these teams with cap space are focused on, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Mike Connolly, Kyle Lowry, whoever else, you know, Chris Paul, if he's out there, the Celtics are the ones, bring, you know, bringing the phone off the hook with Evan Fournier saying, we really want you here, we want you back. So. That helps too, because Evan Fournier yeah. is second tier free agent at best, third tier or worse, somewhere in that range. So if the Celtics are the ones that are constantly, you know, making the push to bring him in, that helps as well. Yep, I agree, and I think that it makes sense for him too. Like it, he could be, he could. It, it's almost like you're on a better team than you were with Orlando, but still a similar amount of like uh, responsibility slash pressure. Like I think that. The guys that are going to hold the most responsibility, say they run this team back as it is, it's going to be obviously the Jays. Then you can look at Marcus Smart, and maybe you have Evan Fournier, a guy as now he holds this scoring responsibility, which he definitely would if they're going to be a good team. But I don't know if the same amount of pressure would be there as obviously being Jason Tatum, being Jalen Brown, or definitely Marcus Smart. So it seems like a really good spot for Fournier as well to be on a team that can compete, hopefully is trying in the right direction, without having to be like, oh my God, I'm the only guy here. This is a dumpster fire. All right, Ev, well, thank you for coming on the podcast for this crazy uh, NBA <laughs> offseason preview. Hey, if we're not going to get a crazy offseason, we're going to get a crazy offseason preview. So, yeah. uh, you know, I'm glad we kind of ran through the, the gambit of potential scenarios there and what can happen. Who knows? We'll, we'll ultimately end up seeing who knows what Brad Stevens has in store. Hey, it's his first offseason in charge. So yeah. I'm sure, and he was aggressive to start with the Kemba Walker trade. And I'm sure he has many plans in his head of what he, his desire is and what he wants this team to look like. You know, we've seen these first year GMs or presidents or whatever come in and decide, I want to shake things up immediately. I don't have, I might not have a lot of time here. I'm not saying that's Brad Stevens' mindset, but, you know, I immediately want to give the bit, put the team in a position that I genuinely want it in. So we'll see if Stevens has some similar plans. But Ev, thank you for coming on, guys. Go to the Guy Boston Sports YouTube channel, go subscribe. Because I don't know if Ev's announced it yet. I'm, again, giving it away. I give away all Ev's announcements before. No, I, I, I've announced this one. Don't worry. Don't worry. But, we're good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, big giveaway happening at 1,000 subscribers, which we're inching ever closer towards. So, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to want to be there for that one because that, uh, that one's kind of a special one. And, I mean, there's been a lot of giveaways there. So if people aren't subscribed already, like, you've already missed out on giveaways. Don't miss out on any more. Like, this is, you know, just get, get subscribed. And look for the giveaways and, you know, get involved in those. Because at the very least, you're losing out on a potential chance to just free stuff. Like, you're, you know, you're literally giving up nothing. and you have Just, to, just to hit a red button. Hit a red yeah. button. Like, what, what's, your, what's, your, what's your loss there? So, yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's like playing the lottery without having to pay any money. Like, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, that's literally what it is. So, yeah. Um, 
yeah, guys, so go over there and subscribe, especially because Ed's been on the grind over there, daily uploads for the last, what, three, four weeks now or something just like that? Probably just under three. It's been getting up there, yeah. yeah. So uh, head over there, check that out. Go follow Guy Boston Sports on Twitter at Guy Boston Sports. Uh, follow Wicked Smart Pod at Wicked Smart Pod. Check out everything over at GuyBostonSports.com, all the articles and stuff over there, the podcast. And once again, Ev, thanks for joining us. Obviously, anytime. Had a blast talking some fantasy land, NBA free agency. Loved it. So thank you for uh, having me. All right, guys. And you can go follow Evan on Twitter at EvGuyBoston. You can follow me on Twitter at ByKJRoyal. Thanks for listening, guys. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>